You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to Packers Total Access at gmail.com. Definitely want to mention our giveaway. We're actually giving away a uh, autographed Paul Horning jersey, the Golden Boy, uh, NFL Hall of Famer, obviously a huge, uh, huge staple in the Vince Lombardi years in Green Bay, winning multiple championships. Uh, We've got a home green Beckett-style jersey from pristineauction.com, autographed by the Golden Boy himself. If you'd like to enter into that contest, just go to my Twitter page, at Packers underscore access. You'll see a tweet pinned at the top of the page. Just make sure you retweet that tweet and follow the account. That'll enter you into the contest one time. And if you want to donate to a good cause and enter your name into the hat multiple times, you'll notice a link that's pinned there in that same tweet to FGR, Fertile Ground Ranch Discipleship Ministry, an awesome sponsor of the show. Um, if you, For every $5 you donate to that great cause, um, you uh, will be entered into the contest one additional time. There's no limit on how many times you can uh, uh, donate and enter yourself into that contest. Just an awesome opportunity to win a cool piece of Packer memorabilia and also give to a good cause. I actually had somebody email, the, email me the other day and say, hey, um, I, I could care less about the jersey, but I'd like to donate to the cause. Um, you're able to do that as well. Just understand if you do donate, you're going to be entered into the contest. And here's what's cool. If somehow you win, um, then you'll get to choose who to give the jersey to, right? Or we can uh, just re, uh, you know, redraw for the winner there. But we definitely appreciate that email. I believe the guy's name was Sam, if I remember correctly. Um, Sa- Sammy, I think is what it was. Um, anyway. Whoever it is, horrible plug. Appreciate you taking the time to reach out. But, uh, yeah, if you just want to donate to the cause, obviously we welcome that as well. So on today's show, guys, we've got a uh, a lot to cover, so we're going to kind of jump right in here. Um, the Packers are in, uh, obviously, playoff contention. It's so cool. It's so freaking cool that the Packers are still in the hunt. I know it's this year has been kind of wacky. Nothing's been ideal from the injuries to – you know, gosh, you name it, several starters kind of falling out of the starting rotation, plugging other people in. They're trying to patch everything together. It's just nothing has gone how we expected. And it's so funny. I, I kind of feel it's not funny, really. I feel responsible for this. I want to apologize to the Packer fan base because in the offseason, you know, we had several guests on the show um, and we asked, you know, hey, um, barring any crazy injuries, what do you think the Packers season will be? <laughs> And then lo and behold, right out the gate, man, Bach wasn't ready. Elton wasn't ready, I don't think, week one. You had this constant rotation. You had multiple guys getting hurt. Christian Watson, who would obviously has proven to be the number one target, been on and off the field, you know, facing injuries like many NFL players have in the past when they come into the league. Man, it's 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 quite the transition, right? And then, of course, Aaron Rodgers being banged up with rib issues, the broken thumb. Now he's on the injury report with a knee, although he's going to play. It seems like he got – Uh, The knee banged up a little bit down there in Miami, which some of you are rolling your eyes right now when you hear about these injuries players are dealing with. Aaron Rodgers is 39 years old. I'm one year older than Aaron. I'm telling you right now, I I about pull a butt cheek every time I get off the couch. So you don't hear me going, oh, come on. How are these guys staying hurt, man? When you you crack 35, 
things change. And there's some of you right now going, oh, whatever. I don't want to hear that. I don't believe it. Blah, blah, blah. I did the same thing. I'm in my 20s, right? Early 30s. People would tell me, you wait, man. You wait till you hit 35, man. Stuff starts to, you know, muscles and joints start to ache that you never knew you even had. It's true, gang. I'm telling you. Once you crack that age. And there's some people listening to my voice that's going, man, wait till you hit 50. I, f- I feel you. Now I'm going to go, hey, got you. Looking forward to it. <laughs> but I am no longer a skeptic when it comes to that kind of talk. But nonetheless, Packers are still in the playoff hunt, right? Even boring all those uh, different situations. And it's why you never give up, guys. It's it's why you never get to the point where you go, <clears throat> even though we're not statistically eliminated, man, let's just let's play the young guys and let's let's get some uh, some better draft picks and then all this, man. This is way more enjoyable than worrying about a draft pick. Guys, we're going to have all offseason to cover that. And I know Packernet Podcast, the whole crew, Jake, <clears throat> Jacob, JJ, Justin, um, Anthony, of course, the Pack Daddy himself, Ryan Schlipp. Um, and I know there's uh, way too many to, to mention. I shouldn't even mention names because I'm going to forget you know, some but um, or leave them out, rather. But we're going to have plenty of time in the offseason to break down draft talk, to break down free agency, to break down coaching changes, and should the Packers make a call. Right now, we're in the freaking playoff hunt, man. Let's stay dug in on that. So we're going to cover that. We're going to cover playoff scenarios. We're going to play a little Minnesota preview from Packers.com, a little video for you with an audio here for the podcast. Um, we're going to go over the Packers team PFF rankings and kind of where do they rank in each, uh, I don't I don't know, I guess positional groups are the right way to say it, each aspect of the game where they rank now with just a couple games to go on the season. Um, we're going to talk about the Packers offensive grades, like the top offensive performers on the year, top defensive performers. We're going to cover a, a cool little statistic we came across uh, referring to fourth quarter interceptions since 2021. And then, of course, we've got a little bit of Derek Carr tar- talk, man. Um I don't want to even want to get into it because I know I'm going to have a pretty strong opinion on that. Uh, but wow, man, things things out there in Vegas have really shaken up as uh, as Stidham was announced the uh, starter this week. But nonetheless, let's do it. Let's get into it. Let's talk about playoff scenarios real quick, guys. So, like we said, you know the Packers obviously have a little bit of control over their destiny, not complete control. Here's what needs to happen for the Packers to make the playoffs. Okay, they must beat Minnesota and Detroit to finish nine and eight. Okay, so. This scenario come from uh, you know, Packers.com, okay? So, clearly the focus, like it says, is on beating the Vikings and rooting against Washington and New York. What does that mean? Basically, if the Packers beat Minnesota and Detroit in these last two games, they finish 9-8, and eight, all we need to make the playoffs is the Washington Commanders to lose once and the Giants to lose twice, okay? Now, listen. Obviously, it's not a guarantee that we beat Minnesota and Detroit. I mean, the Packers are starting their defense stepped up in the second half. The offense struggled a bit, but they came on and scored 16 unanswered points in the second half the other day, right against Miami. Um, ever since the smirk, and if you you guys are following me on Twitter, you've seen the video I tweeted out where Aaron tried to catch him with too many men on the field. Uh, Coach uh, McDaniel down there in Miami, the, the young whippersnapper, called a timeout and laughed at Aaron for trying to catch him with too many people on the field, gave him a little shrug, looking a little cocky, you know, things are going right. Since that shrug, <laughs> the Packers went, uh, you know, outscored the Dolphins 16 to nothing and and came away with the win, right? Now, a lot of con- con- concussion talk about Tua and did that play a role, could have. You know, there were some throws that were definitely errant. It's like, wow, man, I don't that, that just didn't look like Tua in his right mind. It's now proven he did have a concussion. Um, you don't wish that on anyone, right? Um, but nonetheless, man, you can't take away from that win and be like, oh, it's just because Tua had a concussion. Like, how many times are we going to do this? Not not we as in you hearing my voice, but just uh, NFL fans, some Packer fans in general, uh, you know, kind of come to go, well, they had, if that hadn't happened, then they wouldn't be here. And if that hadn't happened, then that, you know, they wouldn't have won that game. Okay. Okay. If Aaron hadn't got hurt in the early in the year, what would our record be? If Christian Watson hadn't missed training camp with the uh, the knee surgery, right, Re- repairing the uh, the cartilage, right, the floating cartilage, where would we be? You want me to keep going? If Rashawn Gary hadn't been put on injured reserve, where would we be? If Darnell Savage had played to his first round status, where would we be? Guys, you can you can do this all day long, 
The point is, you line up on Sunday, you play the freaking game, and you are what your record says you are. That's why I didn't buy in at all last year when people were saying, oh, the Rams ain't a good team. They just got hot at the right time. Okay, let me have the worst team and get hot at the right time and put another Lombardi award in that beautiful trophy case that I got to hang out and and check out up there at the Packers Hall of Fame this last week. I'm all about it. I don't want the best team. I want that Lombardi. Plain and simple. That's all I care about. Championships for the Packers. And obviously, probably the more important thing is following this sport that we all love, that the team, the players, right, the organization as a whole, and the fan base does whatever we can along the way to help some people out and make this world a little bit better place. Those are the things that are most important to me. I could care less about – you know, Joe Blow from Kokomo over here who who claims that he's the expert saying, well, that team really isn't any good. They just got hot. Okay, give me the hot team. So it's kind of how I see it. But, again, playoff scenario, man, win these last two games, right? Commanders lose once. I think that's very reasonable. I think they just announced that Carson Wentz is their starting quarterback again, so the carousel continues there. Not saying it won't provide a spark. It, it may very well do that, right? It's obvious that they see something now in uh, in Heineke that that uh, that they don't like. That they think that Carson Wentz might give them a little spark. Now, are they? I, I, nobody in their right mind can say, "Oh, they're putting Carson Wentz in because they want a better draft pick." I don't know. There may be some Packer fans out there that convince could convince themselves of that. I don't know, but. Nonetheless, man, the Packers could come out and lose to Minnesota. And if they do, the season's pretty much over from the best of my understanding. I think there's still a chance they can make it, right? But, uh, I mean, looking at it here, it would take it would take the Giants losing twice. No, I think we got to win out. I'm almost positive on that. There's nothing that clearly says that here other than, um, I mean, I guess it does, Packers.com. They must beat Minnesota and Detroit to finish 9-8 and eight and have one of the two, uh, you know, happen. Here's the thing. If they lose and don't make the playoffs, I'm proud of this team for fighting. I'm I'm damn proud of Aaron Rodgers for sucking it up and playing with, you know, damaged ribs, right, injured ribs, a broken thumb that pulled, from what I understand, tissue off the bone. Um, like, there's a lot of stuff to be proud of. Aaron Jones and him playing through injuries in the season he's had, A.J. Dillon turning it up a notch, the emergence of Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs doing what he can and, and kind of playing that number two role at times, Alan Lazard coming up with huge block after block, then making the big catch down the sideline, although I think we would all agree Lazard didn't perform to the level that we wanted him to this year, but there's still things there to build off of if he does decide to come back after testing free agency. Nonetheless, if he doesn't, you know, Thank you, Alan Lazar, for being an awesome player this year and doing what you can. Zach Tom plugging in for David Bakhtiari, which it sounds like Bach is going to try to go Sunday, according to Aaron on the Pat McAfee show. He wouldn't come out and say it because he said he would have to listen to uh, Bakhtiari give him a hard time on the two-and-a-half-minute ride over from Lambeau Field to the practice squad or the the practice field. Um, But it sounds like he's got a good shot of giving it a go. But, again, Zach Tom plugging in and playing good. We found us a solid right guard in John Runyon sliding over, right? Elton Jenkins is back home at left guard. Seems to have stabilized there. I'll tell you this, on Sunday what surprised me, and I don't know what his PFF grade was, but I'm really proud of Royce Newman. Royce Newman came off the bench, and I, I think I don't think there was a Packer um, in sight that when uh, Yash went out with the injury, people didn't think, oh, gosh, how's Royce going to play right tackle, right? He stepped in and played great. Not great, but he didn't seem to be the issue. To me, the issue came from the interior for the most part of the day. You know, you've seen the crazy Aaron Rodgers play that we broke down on Chalk Talk. That came from interior pressure. To the best of my knowledge, it would have either been Josh Myers um, well, actually, the offensive line had their assignment set. Patrick Taylor had to throw a little chip block. Aaron being Aaron Rodgers, little sidestep, sidearm throw around a second defender. Aaron basically accounted for three defenders on that game or on that play. What do I mean by that? He sidestepped the first rusher, then had the awareness that when the second rusher had his arms in the throwing lane, throws sidearm around him and then beats the corner who's on Mercedes Lewis. That's a mismatch in my opinion in the defense's favor and puts the ball in an absolute bucket uh, for Mercedes to make that catch. He he accounted for three defenders on that play, in my opinion, Aaron Rodgers did. Made one miss, threw around another one, and dropped it in a bucket over a corner that should have been a mismatch. Like, I'm sorry, man, that's what superstar players do. Was he perfect? Absolutely not. 
but he made some plays that a lot, a lot of people uh, like to just pretend like he didn't. So there's a lot of things to root for on the defensive side of the ball, man. Kingsley and Ibarre, right? Kind of, he, I, you know, I know his PFF grades haven't been great, but there's times he showed flash. The concussion play, I'm not, I'm not praising this. I'm not wishing that an opponent gets a concussion, but I will praise the fact that Enigbari didn't give up on that play, hustled and and rushed to a out and forced him to throw the ball <coughs> and put the hit on him. Right? Um, he's played great. Devontae Wyatt's kind of coming on, right? And you're gonna, I think he had 24 snaps in that game against Miami. You're gonna see more snaps from him. That's exciting. There's a lot of stuff to root for. Rasul Douglas being the fourth quarter stud that he is over the last two years. Jair making crucial interceptions, although he hasn't played as consistent as he normally does, still having, you know, an impact year. Quay Walker with his highest graded uh, game of his career when we went up and watched him play L uh, the L.A. Rams at Lambeau. That was cool to see. There's just a lot of cool things to root for, guys. I mean, there really is. So the fact that, you're four, five, six games away from the end of the season, and people are going, oh, we just need a better draft pick. I'm sorry. I ain't I ain't fanning like that. Ain't going to happen. But we got a huge game coming up against Minnesota. Obviously, like we said, the Packers need to win the next two games. That starts with Minnesota. It's a one-game season. Coach Matt LaFleur said that a couple of games ago. People kind of rolled their eyes. Here we are in a position to control our own destiny to a certain extent. But the Packers.com – um, put a really cool Packers daily piece together, and I'm going to play it right now. Hopefully, you can hear this audio on the pod, and let's kind of let's kind of set the stage for the uh, Packers Vikings coming up this weekend. On Christmas in Miami, Keyshawn Nixon arrived for his opening kickoff return with bells on. Hits the scene, 25-30. He gets by the kicker down the left side. Keyshawn Nixon. Keyshawn has given us more and more confidence each and every game that he is capable of breaking a big, long return at, at any time. And we're bringing a physical mentality, a style of play that reflects the type of energy that Rich brings each and every day. Nixon now holds the NFL lead for kickoff return yards, but right behind him, Minnesota's Kane one woo. The former Iowa State Cyclone can be electric, in just two seasons with the Vikings, he's already returned three kicks to the house. Number 26 is averaging exactly 26 yards of return this season. A stat line that includes a 97-yard touchdown. The Vikings have another special teams ace in kicker Greg Joseph, who's been carried off the field each of the past two weeks after hitting back-to-back walk-offs. 61. But the Packers have their own clutch kicker in Iron Man and franchise scoring leader Mason Crosby, who in his career has a dozen game winners to his name. For the win of 31, Crosby right down the middle. He's so reliable, so consistent. You can count on him no matter what the conditions are, whether they're good, bad. I think that is something that probably gets overlooked at times. He's been great. Love it. All right, so obviously a huge, huge game up there in Minnesota. Um, I'm really, really excited to see how that one unfolds, man. That's going to be uh, – man, um, I keep saying in Minnesota. It's at Lambeau, obviously. I don't know why I keep saying that, but the atmosphere is going to be phenomenal. Um, when we were there for the Rams game, man, they showed up in force. And you could hear them at times from inside the soundproof, um, you know, indoor club seats. You could hear the crowd. So kudos to you guys for getting loud and and braving the elements, right? And I'm going to take a quick glance here. I, I didn't even plan on doing this, but I do want to just kind of get an early weather report on the game to kind of see what we're expecting there on Sunday. I'm pretty sure it's a 425 kickoff. So <clears throat> it looks like Sunday right now, the high that day is 36 with only an 8% chance of snow, the low that night, 28. So I would say right around uh, right around game time, it's probably going to be somewhere probably around anywhere from 30 to 33 degrees. Um, they're at 425, obviously the uh, you know 325 local time, the sun will already be setting, so it'll be kind of chilly, but nothing like last time, right? 
<clears throat> this is one of the advantages, in my opinion. When a team like Minnesota gets used to playing in a dome and then they got to come outside at Lambeau, I think that can really be an advantage. It can. Now, playoffs, you throw all that out the window because I know some people are going, yeah, well, it didn't help us last year against the Niners. I get it. Totally understand. But the playoff atmosphere is a whole lot different sometimes in a regular season. And, and, you know, you got the Vikings coming in with a real stout record. They're currently the number two seed in the NFC. Um, I don't know, man. The Packers are – the Packers are that wounded dog backed up in the corner showing their teeth, right? And Minnesota is, some people would call them frauds. I personally, and I'm not dogging anybody who believes that, okay? I'm not, I'm not trying to bash them. But me personally, I don't see it that way. I don't see it as a negative that a team comes back down 33 to nothing. There's some fans that would go, oh, man, the fact that they got down that much, that ain't a good football team. I can understand and respect that. But I think there's more positive than negative the fact that a team can come back from that far, you know, and uh, and win these close games. Some people really that as a negative. Yeah, but look at their point differential. Okay, I get it. I completely understand. But winning close games is what you're going to have to do in the playoffs, right? Um, that point differential didn't help the Packers the last couple years in the playoffs, did it, right? And we put up some huge numbers. And, you know, back-to-back -back MVPs for Aaron Rodgers. And then you get in the playoffs, and it's it's all about getting that dub, man, exactly what we started the show with, and that's uh, getting that Lombardi Award. That's all that matters. So let's do this. Let's talk about rankings. Since we were talking about the Minnesota Vikings, we're going to talk about PFF grades as a team, okay? And we're going to break it down overall, and then we're going to go offense, passing, pass blocking, receiving, running, run blocking, defense, run defense, tackling, pass rush, coverage, and special teams. Let's just kind of see where Minnesota falls in right here, okay? And, and how things rank. Overall, PFF grades, as a team, the Minnesota Vikings are the fourth best team in the league. And, you know, the only team that grades out higher than them, there's two of them in the NFC. That's the Eagles and the 49ers, who are one and two. And then you got the Chiefs and then the, and then the Minnesota Vikings. <clears throat> where does the Packers come in? If you had to guess, what do you think the, the ranking would be, PFF overall team grade for the Green Bay Packers? Say it to yourself. Say it out loud. Whatever you want to do, just don't, you know, if you're sitting at a red light right now listening to this and somebody sees you talking to yourself in your car, they may look at you a little weird, right? But what would that number be? Okay, the Packers are 12th in the NFL, right? So the NFC teams graded higher than them are the Atlanta Falcons, the Rams, the Cowboys, the Vikings, the Niners, and the Eagles. So that makes them the eighth highest graded team in the NFC, according to PFF. Kind of cool that they're right on the cusp of getting that number seven seed, right? I'm telling you, man, the more I dig into PFF, the more I like it, the more I trust it, because it lines up with what I see on tape. And then when you look at the overall, uh, you know, standings, performance, results, if you will, seems to line up pretty well. Offensively, how did the Packers grade out this year? They're grading out as the 11th best offense, according to PFF, at a 76.8. Passing game. Passing game, they're grading out eighth. But some of you are going, what? But I thought Aaron Rodgers was horrible this year. I thought Aaron Rodgers was playing backup level. Aaron Rodgers is not playing at backup level. We'll talk about it in a second. As a matter of fact, I think he's grading out as the 10th best quarterback in the league right now, according to PFF. Pass blocking. This is pretty cool. This is something to build around, and it's why I wanted to mention these things. Green Bay is third in the NFL in pass blocking grade at 77.8, only behind the Baltimore Ravens. You guys know how – they take pride in building that offensive line. And the Philadelphia Eagles, who have had a phenomenal year <coughs> on offense with Jalen Hurts being an MVP candidate, you know, throughout the course of the majority of the year. Let's go to receiving grade. So when you look at it, let's let's bounce back. Passing grade, we're eighth. Pass blocking, we're third. Well, how are we not scoring more points? Receiving grade. The Packers grade out 22nd in receiving grades. Okay. And again, young receiving core. Yeah, Christian Watson really come on like gangbusters here in the last little bit. Let's hope he can get healthy enough to play Sunday. If not, be ready for the next week against the Lions. But you got Dobbs. Obviously, Lazard has underperformed, guys. This receiving core has not played great. Christian Watson has really turned it up, and that's very exciting. But again, first half of the year, you know, really throughout the majority of the year, the receivers have not played well. You put that down as a negative market. That's something we've got to get better at um, throughout the course of the offseason. Running grade. We are fourth in running grade at 91.2. 
Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon have been phenomenal. Now, one of the big things that's kind of stood out this year is the run blocking had been like bottom five, according to PFF, for a, a pretty large portion of the year, if I remember correctly, at least bottom 10. <clears throat> As we look at it now, the Packers come in 18th at run blocking grade of 58.0. Okay, horrible grade. Don't get me wrong, bad grade. But they're 18 out of 32. You know, you got to kind of put that into perspective there. Because, again, I compare these across the league, guys. Like, some people go, oh, you know, like early in the year, it's like, yeah, but but that's a bad grade for Aaron Rodgers. I get it, I understand. But when you're talking about running a four-time MVP, first ballot Hall of Fame, Super Bowl winning quarterback out of town, and he's still grading out in the top ten, I'm sorry, you're not going to convince me that's a good idea. It's not. Um, defensively, the defensive grade, uh, let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. The Packers grade out defensively as the 21st best team in the league. Okay. Not going to get it done. So you put a mark down on defense. You go, okay, why is the defense grading out so bad? We just seen the offense graded out so bad because the run blocking, the run blocking and receiving, right? So you got to kind of tweak those. You got to work on that. Mainly the receiving core is what you really want to focus on in the offseason. Defensively, let's go to run defense. Run defense, the Packers are 26th. Now, this is a tough one for me because you guys heard me all offseason how Greg Cosell, a man that I respect very much, Greg Cosell has been watching <clears throat> NFL tape way before I was born. He's the great, the late great Howard Cosell, Monday Night Football announcer's uh, nephew, I believe, if I remember correctly. And he's worked at NFL Films for a long, long time. He's on NFL Matchup, if you ever watch that show. Um, just a phen phenomenal at, at telling you what he sees on tape. And I quote him all the time as saying, if you see it, you got to say it, right? Forget personal opinion. Forget politics. Forget um, uh, the off-the-field stuff. Somebody has got to take the time to grade the tape and talk about how good or bad a player is strictly off the tape. That's what Greg Cosell does, right? And when you look at the run defense in the offseason, something that I mentioned that he talked about constantly was it's being proven time and time again that these defensive coordinators and these NFL defenses are willing to give up the run because they don't think offenses will stay with it just to prevent giving up the big play with the pass. And, you know, you're you're trying to eliminate those explosive plays, right? And sometimes that happens in the running game when you're trying to scheme around that. That's exactly what Barry and the Fangio system does. Two on the shelf, a lot of cover four quarters, a lot of uh, late rotation to cover three. You've seen against Miami, they really changed up the scheme and played a lot of underneath, kind of that invert cover four where you've got four underneath zones, only two up top in the final product in that late rotation of the of the defense. Um, but, yeah, run defense, that's tough for me because it's like, how do you fix it? My first answer would be schematically, you're going to have to load the box a little bit more. You know, allow the corners to be a little more aggressive off the edge, therefore giving the interior uh, defenders a little more freedom, right? That should be the answer. But according to Greg Cosell, that's not what the great coaches are doing right now, right? So I think the best thing to do would be, all right, who's best at run defense? The L.A. Rams, the Minnesota Viking. Isn't it funny everybody talks about how horrible the Vikings defense is? They're grading out as the second highest run defense in the NFL. Now, when you look at these teams, the L.A. Rams are, are kind of the anomaly, right? The San Francisco 49ers, great defense, right? Overall defense, let me just hop back. The 49ers, the 49ers, Jets, and the Eagles have the high, the three highest-graded defense, okay? When it comes to run defense, the 49ers are third. I would take the tape of the San Francisco 49ers and go, okay, what is it that they're doing different that puts their players in a position to win? You may watch that whole season of film and come away and say, they didn't do anything schematically. They just got – awesome players. They've got dogs on defense against the run. That may be the case. And you definitely want to improve your roster from a run defensive standpoint, but not at the uh, expense of trying to sacrifice a passing game because it seems like a lot of teams are trying to lean in that direction. So I just want to mention that. But again, run defense, though, the, uh, the Packers are way down the list here on 26. Put that as a negative note of something you want to work on. Tackle grade. You guys remember, they were horrible early in the year, right? Still pretty bad. Tackle grades of uh, 53.7, but they're 16th in the league now. They're in the middle of the pack. You want to know why the defense has played better here lately? They're tackling better. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. 
So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Period, case closed. Okay. Um, pass rush. The Packers on pass rush come in at 17th. Not going to get it done. If if you were sacrificing the run game, like Greg Cosell is insinuating, some teams already didn't specifically say the Packers, but you've got to look at that stuff and kind of take it into consideration as a whole. If that's the case, then your pass rush has got to get better. You, If you're willing to sacrifice the run, it means you're really getting after the quarterback. You know, a 70.0 isn't bad considering Rashawn Gary's missed so many games and you've got a rookie – uh, what, fourth, fifth-round pick, whatever he is, maybe even the sixth-round pick. I can't remember his exact round he was picking in Ibarre. But, you know, that that definitely comes into factor, too. But pass rush grade, with Rashawn Gary back, when will he be back? That's the question. You might want to bolster that pass rush, although this last game, Preston Smith had a great day down there in Miami. Um, coverage grade, uh, you're coming in 10th at 77.8. That's really starting to come on strong. Now, what's cool, we talked about, sacrificing the run game for the passing game. I think you're seeing that. You know, teams like the Packers who are giving up have a very low run defense grade. You look up, and they've got a high coverage grade. I don't think that's a coincidence. I think uh, some of that has to do with schematics. You know, someone else is like that's the Washington Commanders. They've got a 56.6 run defense grade, but a 78.8 coverage grade, right? The Bengals, 62.8 run defense grade, 80.5 pass defense or coverage grade. Okay, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 59.2 run defense grade, 81.8 coverage grade. Kansas City Chiefs, Kansas City Chiefs are the team that always comes to mind because Greg Cosell talked about them in the playoffs, both on offense and defense, that they won't stay with the run and the Bengals knew they wouldn't, and that's how they beat the Chiefs because they were basically giving them the run and the Chiefs wouldn't stay with it. But then also the Chiefs doing the same thing on defense, kind of letting teams run on them but trying to play – you know, a little more coverage and be in a position there. Look at the Chargers. The Chargers' coverage grade is an 84.5. Their run defense grade, 35.8. I mean, that is horrible. That might be the worst. Let's look at it here. 35.8. They're 29th in the league in run defense. But in coverage, they're 84.5, and that puts them in fourth, okay? Um, Yeah, so it's just something to kind of – Take into consideration as we're making notes and getting ready to come into the offseason and, and how these teams adjust. Now, special teams has kind of come on a little bit here lately, right? Earlier in the year, we were still in the bottom five. We've now climbed to 19th, according to PFF, in grades, 78.5. That's a big improvement, guys. The big thing I want to point out, you remember last year, snap, hold, kick. I was a nervous wreck. I'm not nervous at all now. Mason Crosby's having a great year. Um, Pat O'Donnell seemed to fix the Holden problem. Kudos to Rich Passaccia and Matt LaFleur making the decision on Coco because that's fixed our snapping problems. Big, big improvement there when it comes to special teams. Now, there, <coughs> excuse me, there's plenty that you still need to clean up, right? But, uh, yeah, so that's I think that's a step in the right direction for sure. So just wanted to kind of go over – <clears throat> excuse me, you can tell I'm still getting over the flu here. Um, that I just want to go over the team grades like that and just kind of give you an idea of of where they sit, where they rank, because if you, if you watch Twitter, you would think they're a bottom five passing team. 
PFF says they're playing pretty efficient in the passing game. They really are. Um, and then, of course, wanted to point out the run defense, the fact that the tackling has got better, the coverage is really solid right now, and special teams is a, a big improvement on the year. So let's go offensively, uh, you know, kind of as individuals. You know, you got two games left in the year. Who are the top ten performing players on offense over the season? Number one, Aaron Jones, 85.3. Great year. Check this out, guys. Number two, left tackle. He's now has 481 snaps. David Bakhtiari, 82.1. That's so good to see. A.J. Dillon, 81.4. Early in the season, kind of stumble coming out of the gate, has really cranked it up here lately. We're going to need that if we do sneak into the playoffs. And then, of course, um, here on Sunday afternoon against the Vikings, against that, um, you know, that, uh, that run defense there that we just talked about. Number four, I don't even want to mention it because there's going to be haters that say, well, he's only got 19 snaps. And then there's going to be fanboys that go, see, he's better than Aaron Rodgers. But we're going to mention it. 19 snaps, Jordan Love, 79.0. you got to take into consideration it's only 19 snaps. Um, Aaron Rodgers, 952 snaps. Guys, he's the fifth highest graded player on our team at 78.2 now. We're going to talk a little bit more about that here in a second. Elton Jenkins, contract extension, right? He's now up to 74.4, really turning it on. Here's a cool one. Number seven, highest graded player on the Packers offense this season, 73.7, um, Christian Watson. Highest graded wide receiver on the team. That's very exciting. Randall Cobb, limited snaps, only 323. Christian Watson has 417. But um, Randall Cobb, 72.8, coming in at number eight. Patrick Taylor. Only 22 snaps, okay, just like Jordan Love, only 22 snaps. You know, Jordan had 19, 71.5. Guys, he had a great game against Miami, in my opinion. Picked up some key blocks. They weren't per perfect, but it got the job done. couple leak routes, making a play, and just kind of keeping the ball moving when uh, Aaron Jones went out with, when he got a little bit banged up. And then number 10, Zach Tom. So, that's what you want to build around. Now, let's look at it contractually real quick, which is kind of the reason that I wanted to dive into this a bit. Contractually, Aaron Jones, he's back under contract next year. David Bakhtiari, number two, back next year under contract. A.J. Dillon, number three, back next year under contract. Jordan Love, number four, back next year under contract. Aaron Rodgers, back next year under contract at number five. Number six, Elton Jenkins just got the contract extension. Back next year under contract. Christian Watson, number seven, obviously on a rookie deal. He's good to go for the next four years. Randall Cobb is your first free agency free agent in the top ten. I think we would all agree if he wants to play, we know Rodgers wants him back. I think he's a great locker room presence. He'll probably take a, a huge discount to come to Green Bay. I don't think – I think he's seen the other side of the of the uh, the fence now is when he went down to Houston. First thing he said when he got back was, man – Oh, it's it's different outside of these walls, right? So I could see him if he does want to play another year coming back. But again, that's the first free agent. Patrick Taylor, to the best of my knowledge, is still under contract um, at, at number nine. And then, of course, number 10, Zach Tom, rookie uh, left tackle, kind of uh, can move around that offensive line. Pretty can, really can play all five positions, but is very effective at left tackle. In my opinion, that's his best position. He's back. So your top 10 highest-graded players next year, to the best of my knowledge, unless Patrick Taylor isn't under contract, and I believe he is, the only one you're losing right now is Randall Cobb. That's exciting. Your top-performing players are coming back. I mean, that's that's really, really good stuff, in my opinion. So um, Robert Tunyon, 56.8. He's rated 28th. You know, that's kind of your, quote-unquote, starting tight end. Um, I don't see him coming back unless he wants to come back for a, a veteran minimum. I don't. Uh, you know, we talked about Royce Newman's struggles. I'm just kind of looking at the guys that have really underperformed that might be starters. That's that's really the ones that stand out. So let's move on to defense. Defensive side of the ball, Rashawn Gary is still the highest-graded player, uh, 378 snaps, 82.9. Um, so he's number one. Number two, this is good stuff, Jair Alexander, 77.1. Number three, my boy Rudy Ford, 75.4. Number four, Devondre Campbell, 71.5. Number five, Rasul Douglas at 71.0. Number six, Kobe Jones, only seven snaps. Let's just scratch that. Let's pretend like it's not there. Um, Preston Smith at 734 snaps. Comes in number seven with a 67.8. Justin Hollins, who was just signed this year, 64.6. Uh, We're going to stop there because once you get 
under 65, I don't see them as a strong building point. So of the players that are graded above 65, let's see who's coming back. Rashawn Gary, fifth-year option activated. He'll be back. Jair Alexander signed the deal. He'll be back. Rudy Ford right now is not under contract. So you're going to lose your third highest-graded defensive player as of right now. Devondre Campbell at number four. Um, he's back, signed that new extension. Uh, Rasul Douglas signed his three-year extension, or three-year deal, rather. Um, he's your number five uh, highest-graded player. He'll be back. Kobe Jones, small sample size, not worried about. Preston Smith is under contract. So your top six players on defense of those six, only one in Rudy Ford is not under contract next year. I would like to see them get some kind of small extension done for Rudy Ford. I want to see him back. He's been one of the positive points on this team, and he's taken a lot of snaps away from Darnell Savage. I don't think it's a coincidence. Savage's role is diminished a bit, and this defense starts to play better. Lo and behold, they're in the top 10 in coverage all of a sudden, according to PFF. So, Rudy Ford, let's get him under contract, bring back the guys that are playing great. Who's playing bad that you uh, that you are bringing back anyway? Darnell Savage, 48.2. They picked up his fifth-year option. Completely disagreed with it, but it is what it is. Um, Isaiah McDuffie, Quay Walker, those guys are coming back. Quay Walker on the grade now is a 52.1. Got to do something about that. That coverage grade is what's exciting, though. 71.6. I believe that's the coverage. Yeah, 71.6. Eric Stokes, guys. I don't want anybody to get injured, okay? And I want every single Packer on the roster to succeed. I really do. But you've it, just like Greg Cosell says, if you see it, you got to say it. When Eric Stokes went down, this secondary got better. That's the truth. That's the absolute truth, you know? And you had people like Keyshawn Nixon who stepped in. And Keyshawn Nixon grades out as the 11th best player on defense at a 63.9. But in the return game, he's so critical I want to see him and Rudy Ford get some kind of extension. I'm not talking about top 10 or even starter money. Make them an offer with guaranteed money, fudge the contract where you really put some money on the table and say, hey, look, this is really worth you not testing free agency and, and taking that risk of not getting as much as we're willing to offer you now. Again, I'm not talking about breaking the bank. I'm talking about a two- or a three-year deal to lock these guys up with some guaranteed money where you go, okay, there's too much cap hit involved, too much cap penalty involved that we cannot cut them over the next three years, but it's not so much of a cap hit that it's it's really hindering our team from going out and growing as we begin to adjust contracts here in the future. As we talked about, there's something like somewhere around $75 million in potential restructures. Simple restructure was like 35 to $40 million. Plenty of room to get way under the cap and have a little bit of money to play with in free agency. It's just players like that, they already know the system. They're already acclimated. They're playing great. They were great free agency pickups. Man, let's get them some kind of extension with guaranteed money and get them back on the roster. So that's how your defense shakes out. And I just wanted to kind of cover that to give everybody an example or an update, I should say, on how things are shaking out, okay? Now, we were just talking about defense, right? And I wish I hadn't closed that tab out, but I have now. Um, the coverage, top 10 in PFF grades. Some of you go, well, I don't think they've played that well. Okay, let me give you a couple stats here. This is really cool. Fourth, this was from Matt Schneiman, or I'm sorry, Rob Domofsky on Twitter shared this. <clears throat> Fourth quarter interceptions since the start of the 2021 season. Of the entire NFL, guys, the entire NFL, these are the guys that lead the league in the last two years in fourth quarter interceptions. Number one, Rasul Douglas with six fourth quarter interceptions. This is a guy with a frame of 6'2", and it was so cool seeing him on Tyreek Hill because Tyreek Hill is like 5'10", or whatever it is. And you can see Russell towering over him, right? And I know his speed kills. I get it. I understand. There's no way that Russell's going to run with him stride for stride, but that's where schematics come involved. That interception he got late in the game, he showed press man and then dropped back, and it was that uh, you know, underneath kind of overload coverage I think they brung five, and then we had a soft Tampa two that we were showing with Devondre Campbell kind of uh, five yards uh, shallow, five yards shorter, I should say, than the two safeties that were on the shelf, and they broke off into a cover three, uh, three deep defense, right? And that allowed Rasul to show press on Tariq, bounce back into coverage, use that six-foot-two frame, and get another fourth-quarter interception. But again, leads the entire league in the last two years in fourth-quarter interceptions. We've got him under contract for the next three years. That's exciting. Number, uh, let's just go down the list here. Russell Douglas, 
with six leads, Jordan Poyer and C.J. Gardner-Johnson and Justin Simmons all have five, so they're tied for second, right? Well, who's in third place? Tied with eight other players, Jair Alexander with four fourth-quarter interceptions since uh, the start of the 2021 season. Two of those players in the top five are in the Green Bay Packers secondary. Well, why were they so bad at coverage early in the year? Guys, one player doesn't make or break a team. I get it. But we cannot steer away from the fact that this secondary has gotten better without Eric Stokes, right? It's just, it is what it is. So what I worry about, and I don't even know Stokes' complete injury, you know, uh, layout. I don't, I don't know when he's due to come back off of our, but – Man, don't mess up a good thing. Let's keep this rotation going that we got right now. And let's just let's just kind of massage this situation to the to where we can get, you know, keep this success in the secondary because they're playing good as of late. So um just wanted to point that out. I thought that was a cool statistic there too. So all right, with that being said, we're gonna wrap up with a little bit of talk outside of uh <coughs> Green Bay. All right. Matt Schneiden put a tweet out um yesterday and he said Part of the reason Devontae Adams wanted the trade was for long-term stability at quarterback. Safe to say Derek Carr is done in Vegas. Aaron Rodgers might still be with the Packers, might still be the Packers quarterback for one to three more years. Tough situation for Adams, no matter how you feel about him wanting out of Green Bay. And he was referring to a tweet that came in from, I hope I'm saying the name right, Tashawn Reed or Tayshawn Reed. And it says McDaniels said benching Derek Carr isn't indicative of a decision about his future, but we can all be real. The Raiders wouldn't do this if they were going to bring Carr back next year. His career in the silver and black is almost certainly over. The The contract extension he signed was structured in a way that if the, if the Raiders wanted to walk away, they could. But what's crazy is going into this year, people were talking about Derek Carr may be an MVP candidate. You add Devontae Adams out there. You've got Hunter Renfro. You've got Darren Waller. You've got Jacobs in the backfield. Guys, this is an all-star offense. Are you serious? Derek Carr is going to go to a whole nother level, right? And Devontae Adams is going to make the big difference. Well, here we sit now, right? And Derek Carr has lost his starting job, and it looks like they're moving on from him. Let's rewind to Devontae Adams. He wanted out of Green Bay the last two to three years. I think it extends all the way back three years, but definitely the last two years he wanted out. Finally, Goody grants him that. Says, okay, we'll trade you. Obviously, you know, they get great compensation for Devontae Adams. Um, Goody wanted him back. Goody offered him more money than Vegas. Okay. So let's we we finally were able to put that to the bed, although the the media and how they hate Aaron Rodgers, they hung on to that as long as they possibly could. That Devontae Adams didn't want to play with Aaron Rodgers, and that that you know Goody ran him out of town, and and it was just literally pointing fingers at Aaron, pointing fingers at Goody, pointing fingers at Tay. And and the truth was, Tay said, "I want to go play with Carr, my college quarterback, where they put up great numbers, right in college, and I want to go to my hometown of Vegas. I want to play for the Raiders." Right. That was his team growing up. And he wanted his family to be able to go to the games and this and that. Man, look at everything that's changed over the course of the year. I mean, now Derek Carr is most likely going to be out in Vegas and Tay is going to be left there, right? With literally nothing as of right now. You got Stidham as your starting quarterback. So is there a chance he comes back to Green Bay? I don't know. But I'm going to tell you this. There was a lot of people, a lot of pundits, a lot of media, sports media, that said, watch how well Derek Carr plays now that he's got Devontae Adams. And there were so many people throughout the course of the year before they knew Aaron Rodgers was hurt was saying, see, Aaron can't do it without Tay. It was all Tay. It wasn't Aaron, at least here recently, right? Well, Derek Carr got Tay. Devontae Adams is added. Derek Carr grades out as a 66.0 in Vegas. He's the 25th best quarterback in the league. Guys, he is a bottom third quarterback after getting Devontae Adams. Where's Aaron Rodgers? Number 10 at a 78.2. So some of you are going, how is Aaron a top 10 quarterback in PFF grades? He's had a horrible year. Aaron hasn't had a horrible year. 
Aaron has had a bad Aaron Rodgers year, but Aaron Rodgers is still a top 10 quarterback, even with a broken thumb, even with a rib injury, and hurting his knee in Miami this last week, right? Banged up. Even without a number one receiver for most of the year. Now you got Christian Watson emerging. Things are starting to change a little bit. I mean, Robert Tunyon, if you had told me Robert Tunyon was going to grade out less than 50 or in the 50s, PFF, I would say this season's screwed. You know, you got big dog out there trying to play wide receiver on a on a switch wheel route, right? And like, man, and Aaron's just pieced it together. And here we are in the playoff hunt with all this craziness that's happened this year. And Aaron's grading out 78.2. Do I want him in the top five? Absolutely. Do I? I could care less about MVP awards, but I want him playing MVP level. I get it. And the most frustrating part is we don't know, is this the new Aaron Rodgers or is it the injuries? Is it, you know, the uh, a lot of people forget that we started the year. I had a great question in the offseason. A listener said, what do you think is one of the one or two things that's not talked about enough in this offense? I, I think they were coming from a positive standpoint of like, what do you think people are missing about this offense? And the one one of the things I said was the RPO aspect. Well, they come out in the first quarter or first third uh, first third part of the season, right? And they struggled with the RPO game, and they had to scrap it or at least really cut it back. And things have gotten a little bit better since then. It tells me that the cyclical nature of the NFL defenses have caught on to the RPO aspect of the McVay version of the Shanahan system, the wide zone boot, right? So you have to adjust as you go. And those are the things that Aaron was mentioning. He was getting demonized and bashed for. We need to simplify the offense. We need to simplify the offense. Shut up and play ball. That's what some fans were saying, right? That's the stuff he was talking about. When he was talking about cutting reps, he was talking about cutting Amari Rogers' reps. He didn't say it, but that's who he was talking about. I put it on, a, on I think, a, a roundtable we did with Packard. And I think Ryan might have hosted that one. And it was like, I think he's talking about Amari. And everybody's like, oh, he may be talking about But I also think he was talking about the defense, right? I think he was talking about Amari returning. I think he was talking about mental mistakes on defense. I think he was talking about mental mistakes on the offensive line. These adjustments happen. Amari Rodgers gets cut. Aaron Rodgers, one of his best friends on the team, it sounds like Keyshawn Nixon gets thrust into the row. He takes off. But nobody gives Aaron credit for saying, we need to cut reps. These people are making mental mistakes and underperforming. We need to cut reps. They make the change to Keyshawn, he takes off. They make the change from Royce, and the offensive line stabilizes. Now, there's some health, you know, coming into play there too, but these are the things he was talking about, you know, talking about cutting reps. And and nobody talked – like, I, when, I remember one play, one game specifically, he he made that comment and everybody got mad. Like, he's bashing the receivers again. I think he's talking about the defense or uh, the team as a whole. And the first person that come to mind for me was Darnell Savage with Eric Stokes in a close number two because they were making mental mistake after mental mistake. It's like you've got to get to the point where, look, you know, as Troy Aikman said on the field, NFL films mocked up moment, you know, the babysitting's over, right? I'm not babysitting people out here anymore. You either do your freaking job or there's a guy behind you that wants to do it and wants the opportunity. You know, he's got a family to feed too, right? And, and you've got to get out of this this whole, I don't know, uh, this just this this setup, this system that we've created where, well, he's the starter. He's getting starter money. He should be the starter. That's a first-round pick. He should be the starter. I said it all year long with Darnell Savage. And, guys, I'm not a smart guy. You can hear my accent and understand that and probably agree. Some of you are going, yep, I believe that. He's not smart. The dude <laughs> takes three-syllable words and turns them into one. <laughs> but we were screaming. You gotta set Savage down. He's destroying this defense. They put Rudy Ford back there and the defense stabilizes. You've got to have that mentality. You can't just stand up there at the podium as a coach and say, everything in our system's geared around competitiveness. These guys are gonna have to compete for their job. And then when they go out and completely crap the bed on Sunday, not reduce their snaps or not pull them out of the game. I'm sorry. You just can't do that. But again, everything got overshadowed with the Aaron Rodgers hate, and it's well, he should sit then. So he's not the one playing well. And then three weeks later, it comes out he's got a broken thumb. And everybody's going, "Oh, I probably shouldn't have said that." So, I don't know, man. It's fun. It's fun going through the course of a year. And listen, I'm not sitting here saying that I'm perfect and I know everything, guys. I have gotten way more wrong this year than I've gotten right. But that's the beautiful thing about the NFL. 
It's just, are you willing to be humble enough to go, yeah, I missed that one. I missed that one big time. The big one for me this year, and it's in big, bold letters on my whiteboard, I really thought we could perform without a number one receiver, and I was so wrong. And I won't make that mistake again. The value of wide receiver has gone up in my book. Some people were going, man, that's just silly. You didn't realize how valuable they were? I didn't. I didn't. And I'm here to say I'm wrong. I was wrong. But, again, you live and learn, right? You know, like my old baseball coach used to say, I can't use the the exact language he used, but he's in the high school coaches hall of fame. Amazing coach. That guy's forgot more about baseball than I ever, ever learned or ever will learn. But he used to say when we make the same mistake over and again, over and over again, he said, it's like, it's like peeing in the wind. What happens? Blows right back on you. You going to keep doing that? You just going to keep, I guess I could say, you're going to keep pissing in the wind. That's what he kept saying. And that's that. if you're not willing to learn as you go, if you're not willing to accept the fact that, okay, I overlooked that, I was wrong on that, then you can't get better as a fan, as a, you know, a, a film studier or a coach or a player, or business owner or employee, anything at life. You got to be willing to accept, hey, I got that wrong and it's not going to happen again. So hopefully that makes sense. Didn't mean to go on that little mini rant, but. Um, I just thought it'd be cool to kind of lay that stuff out, man. Let's look at the PFF grades now, uh, 16 games in. I, I, wanna, I want this podcast to bring you guys content. I don't want it to just be filler. I see some podcasts are 20, 30 minutes long. You have to sit through five minutes worth of ads, and by the end of it, you're like, I, I don't even know what I just heard. There wasn't nothing there. I want to bring you substance. So there's a lot of things that we could talk about. <clears throat> I want to bring you things that I feel like other podcasters might not because – when I'm listening to my favorite podcasts, right, I, I'm listening to them going, man, I wish somebody would hit on that. Let me make a note. I'll do it on mine, right? And hopefully you guys enjoyed it. If you did, shoot me an email. Let me know. I appreciate all the feedback you guys have given me this year, man. It's been a blast uh, doing this pod. And and I've learned more about football this year than I ever had. And the majority of what I've learned has come from people emailing me, responding on Twitter. Hey, check this out, man. I didn't even see that. I got a tweet earlier today. I was tagged in with a video talking about it was so cool. You guys heard me say several, several weeks ago and been talking about it most of the year, really, that I feel like teams have caught on to Matt LaFleur's offense, but also the Fangio system. You know, the fact that some people would say the Vikings are a horrible defense. I don't think they're a horrible defense. I think there are some things that they've done really bad this year, right? But, again, that video that he sent me was this guy breaking down saying that he feels like, you know, the insinuation, I haven't got to watch it yet, is that offenses and coaches have caught on to the Fangio-style defense. I'm excited about sitting down and watching and listening to that. But, again, that's a listener, a guy that I connected with on Twitter sending me a link that's going to teach me something I didn't know about football or maybe an angle that I did, or it may prove me completely wrong, right? And I look at it and go, I didn't look at it from that angle. That's what's beautiful about podcasting and connecting with the community and just kind of keeping up. When you're able to find that mute and that block button to get the toxicity out of your life when it comes to social media or just people who want to respond in a, in a chat and just be rude, man. Don't even pretend like they don't even exist, right? And let's all move forward and get better as as Packer fans and, and football fans and, and learn the game at a little bit different level. That's what I'm excited about. So that being said, we're going to get out of here, man. I hope you guys have an awesome Thursday afternoon. Uh, make sure you stay warm. It looks like I know we're warming up. We're going to be in the 50s down here in Tennessee. So the whole front has kind of passed through. I'm sure there'll be another one right behind it. But in the meantime, let's, uh, let's try to enjoy this little warm spell. I know some people up north are like, yeah, man, it's nice. We're above zero again. <laughs> but, man, what, what a wild storm. And uh, hopefully, you're if you're hearing my voice, you're not one of those people that got stuck in the airport. Mandy and I, we literally, we got out just in time. We were flying back from Green Bay. We had a flight from, um, from Green Bay to Minneapolis and then from Minneapolis to Atlanta. So we're at the airport at like 4.45 in the morning. And we look up on the video board and it said an Atlanta flight was leaving in like 15 minutes. I'm like, hey, you got any spots for that? I'm like, yeah, we actually got two. Hey, we'll take it. So we eliminated that flight to negative nine degrees Minneapolis and got to Atlanta a little bit quicker and then tried to bump that flight up. But it's funny, man, when you accept the last two tickets on the flight, you end up in the cargo hole. We were in the very back of the plane with no windows. And, and if you guys have ever seen the movie Major League, when the owner started cutting costs and made and, and downgraded the uh, the team plane, that flight where it shows Roger Dorn 
right, with the, the mask on. He was too scared to look and the plane shaking and everything, and you can't, he couldn't see anything because of the storm. That was us in the back of this plane flying through that turbulence with the, with the winds whipping in from that storm, man. It was wild. But, yeah, Mandy looked at me. She's like, I'm just going to sleep. I can't handle this. No window to look out of, plane shaking like crazy. But we luckily we made it back, and hopefully if you're hearing my voice, like I said, you're not one of the – God, the, some of the people got trapped in the airport for four days. Like, man, hopefully that wasn't your Christmas. But uh, anyway, hope you had a great Christmas, a great holidays. Appreciate you making us a part of your Thursday afternoon here. Uh, if you guys need anything, hit me up, um, you know, with an email or find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. Really appreciate your time today. As always, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And go Pack Go.